It's a bad bill for the people of North Carolina. It's bad for the uh, Blue Cross policyholders. If you pass this bill, it's going to raise insurance rates, and it's going to allow Blue Cross to take these billions of dollars, this policyholder money, in my opinion, to, and move it out of Blue Cross, the insurance company, into a private holding company with no oversight, no regulation, no transparency, and no accountability. This is Christy Gupton, and I'm an employee benefits advisor. I understand how hard it is to embrace change when you have employees depending on you for a great health plan. This podcast is uniquely designed to answer your most pressing questions. Let's get right to it. Today's guests are North Carolina Commissioner of Insurance, Mike Causey, and prior Healthcare Solutions guest, Chris Deacon of Verson Consulting. We're gathered here to discuss an important bill racing its way through the North Carolina legislature. This bill, H346, would give Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina the ability to act like a for-profit entity behind the scenes while still technically being a supposed nonprofit. Their premise is that this bill gives them the ability to compete with the national players like United Healthcare, Cigna, and Aetna. But here in North Carolina, Blue Cross and Blue Shield already has over 85% of the individual market and around 80% of the group market. The way we look at it on this podcast is that Blue Cross associations all over America are proposing legislation just like this. And as Chris Deacon can attest through watching this play out in her state of New Jersey, it's hard to look at this bill and not wonder why more of our elected officials aren't taking a deeper look. I suppose it's all about money, as usual. I'm very happy to have an insurance commissioner in my state that will at least call it like he sees it, even if there's serious political pressure just to rubber stamp whatever Blue Cross wants. Please listen carefully to this discussion, and if you're a citizen of the great state of North Carolina, give a call to your state senator and let them know H346 is not good for North Carolina. So this week, some interesting things happened in my state, and I live in the great state of North Carolina. I love it here, but it feels like the healthcare system <laughs> gets harder and harder to navigate, especially when the biggest players in healthcare have a lot to hide. If patients and people who pay premiums and otherwise purchase healthcare knew the truth, they'd feel, well, betrayed. And two of my guests today are going to help us understand betrayal both <laughs> in the past and those aftermath effects of, uh, of that. And we're going to try to educate some people that have a stakeholder position in North Carolina so that maybe they can um, stop this before it gets too far down the road. So first, I want to welcome uh, Chris T. Deacon from the great state of New Jersey. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Thanks for having me, Christy. Always a pleasure. And then um, we're going to be talking with North Carolina Commissioner of Insurance, Mike Causey, here in a few minutes. But first, Chris, you know, I mentioned the word betrayal in my opening remarks. You know, this kind of thing has already happened in your state. I'd love to hear your rendition of it. Sure. Um, 
It most recently happened, uh, legislation was passed somewhat similar to um, North Carolina's, allowing Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey to um, change uh, corporate structure to become a mutual nonprofit holding company. And uh, what that means, um, you know, in a nutshell, is that this nonprofit would essentially be a shell of itself. And everything held by that nonprofit could be a for-profit entity. And that's exactly sort of what's being proposed in North Carolina. And so the the legislature passed uh, a a law that required uh, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield to achieve um, and make a certain showing to the um, commissioner of insurance, who in our great state is appointed by the governor. And once those, uh, you know, that showing was made, the conversion would be effective. In our case, uh, there was a transfer from Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield to a foundation, a charitable trust that was set up in the amount of $600 million, which might sound like um, a lot of money, but when you consider what the valuation is for Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield and an entity of that size with that type of market share in the state of New Jersey, it really isn't uh, the entirety of the value um, that was sort of built on taxpayer, uh, the backs of taxpayers and members of the state. Um, But nonetheless, that was uh, transferred. It's important to note that in New Jersey, the the conversion has been challenged and it is currently under appeal in our state court system. You know, I know our great commissioner pretty well. I'm so proud of the work that he's doing. And thank goodness in our state, Chris, he's elected by the people. So he doesn't answer to our governor. He answers to the great citizens um, of our state, regardless of their political affiliations. Right, Commissioner? That is right, Christy. Thank you. I'm so glad you're joining us. Your, Your thoughts and your opinion and your position on this issue is so important because you're pretty much the lone wolf. The the crowd of people that are beginning to agree with you is growing this week. Uh, you you started telling you know people what they really needed to know about the truth of this bill and for the people out there listening um, that are have a stakeholder position in North Carolina. The bill is H three four six. It was filed by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina essentially to try to reorganize themselves like Chris alluded to um, that happened in her state a while back. But Commissioner, once you read it and got the idea that this was bad for the state, bad for policyholders and bad for taxpayers and bad for transparency purposes and all kinds of other things, you've really come out vocally and your coalition backing the new, you know, the new information that's coming out is growing. So tell us where things stand now. I received a phone call from a health care consultant with this message. Commissioner, Blue Cross is going to drop a bill this afternoon. You need to understand the politics of the bill. The governor's for it. Senator Berger's for it. He's over the Senate. Uh, Speaker Moore's for it. He's over to the House. It's a done deal. So you need to get on board with this and not be out on a limb like the Long Range. And I said, got it. Understand. Know how this thing works. I said, if this is good, 
and it truly is good for the people, we'll be all for it. But if it's not, we're going to say so. So we did our due diligence. I had our expert attorneys, our actuaries, our financial experts. I had consumer groups. I had people that know the health insurance industry and health insurance business inside and out, people that had worked with Blue Cross. And when we went through this bill, not one person, not one in the whole state of North Carolina or anywhere else in the country said there was anything really good for the people of North Carolina and most particularly the, the policyholders of Blue Cross. I stated that. That was not a very popular statement to make at the time. Um, and in spite of my concerns and objections, uh, the legislature really put this thing on the fast track in the House, and it sailed through the House with uh, minimum discussion. I, I did get to speak um, in the House Health Committee for two minutes, but the bill sponsor had unlimited time. I think he spoke for eight or 10 minutes. In fact, he spoke so much that the chairman of the committee that day said, uh, Representative Bradford was the bill sponsor in the House, and the bill sponsor said, Representative Bradford, you keep talking and you're going to kill your own bill. And so he, he shut up, and I got up, and I only had two minutes. And I got up and said, uh, Mr. Chairman, thank you for having me. Thank you, members. I am on the opposite side of the political cow fence from Representative Bradford. This is a bad bill. It's a bad bill for the people of North Carolina. It's bad for the uh, Blue Cross policyholders. If you pass this bill, it's going to raise insurance rates, and it's going to allow Blue Cross to take these billions of dollars, this policyholder money, in my opinion, to, and move it out of Blue Cross, the insurance company, into a private holding company with no oversight, no regulation, no transparency, and no accountability. Now, we just experienced three of the largest bank failures in American history, the second and third largest bank failures in the United States with uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. And uh, we have a uh, First Citizens Bank here in North Carolina is actually buying uh, part of Silicon Valley Bank. But I said, these bank failures were, the, were because of lack of oversight or lack of regulations. And now here Blue Cross is trying to ask for the exact same thing that caused these bank failures. You know, this, this is wrong. Now, Blue Cross says they need more flexibility and they need this bill to compete. Well, I don't think they have any trouble competing. They're by far the largest health insurance company in the state of North Carolina. And this is from 2021. So I, I, I mean, Blue Cross has told me I'm wrong, that I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm spreading misinformation, but this is a fact. In 2021, Blue Cross had almost 83%. It was not quite 83%. It was a something like 82.7% uh, of the individual health insurance comprehensive market in North Carolina. Now, that's a lot. That's a big share. On the group health insurance side, 
Blue Cross had almost 80 percent. If the exact number that we that we had from our staff and actuaries was 79.6 percent. Now that was in 2021. Now it's true they just learned that they're losing the state health plan. That's going to be 750,000 people. And it is true that they may be losing market share, you know, in the future years. But I don't think that's any reason to rush a piece of legislation that has not been properly debated. You know, Chris, it kind of sounds like Blue Cross of North Carolina took a play out of the playbook of some of the other Blue Cross associations in other states because this cover up or the you know, the way that the bill was written and filed almost in secrecy. I mean, that was done before. They were there. Blue Cross of North Carolina started copying others, right? Well, I think not only is it copying others uh, and there's a playbook out there, but it's also um, sort of a taking, I won't say a second bite at the apple in North Carolina, but it's undercutting what the legislature and the people of North Carolina spoke to in 1998 when Blue Cross Blue Shield first tried this, right? When right. They, they, that's when they did, they came up with the conversion statutes. You know, Blue Cross has, has tried to go for profit in the past. So this is not the first time they, they've tried this. And, you know, and it's not like I haven't worked with them, I've worked nobody in the history of this state has worked closer with Blue Cross and Blue Shield in North Carolina than Mike Causey. I mean, I have been their best friend since January 1st, 2017. Every time, I mean, every time Blue Cross executives came to see me, we need your help. Uh, Can we get a little more flexibility? We have uh, exercised a regulatory authority to allow Blue Cross to make exceptions to the general statutes to do what they needed to do. And they can do everything they want to do right now under current statutes. But they have to do something under our current statutes. It's called a Form A filing. And not to get too complicated, but a Form A filing is subject to public record. And Blue Cross does not want the public record. So that's why I say, what are they trying to hide? You know, let's let's put it out here. Tell us what you need. Uh, but this bill, when it was originally filed, it truly was like taking the sharpest stick you can imagine and sticking it in the eye of the bear. And I told the CEO, I called, I talked to Tunde yesterday. I said, Tunde, regardless of what happens with this legislation. And you, and I said, don't get me wrong. You have the money and you have the power and you have everything it takes to push this thing through tomorrow. But I have the people of North Carolina on my side and you're damaging your reputation every day that you push this. And I said, at the end of the day, I'm still the regulator and Blue Cross still has to deal with the Department of Insurance. And I said, I am really sorry that we're at the, these uh, odds clashing because it's going to be a rough road in going in the future unless we can come to an agreement. And I, what I asked for, I said, uh, uh, Dr. Satunde, I, I call him Tunde. I said, Tunde, I'm asking you as Commissioner of Insurance for the state of North Carolina 
to tell your lobbyists to pull this bill from commerce and insurance today. Now that's not asking too much. Just give us a few days. Let's work together. We just spent almost two hours this week uh, with with uh, Tune Day, their general counsel, the chief financial officer, and uh, their top uh, legislative liaison for Washington D.C. And um, the chief financial officer is on the national board of the Blues out of Chicago. And uh, so uh, they've done this, as you know, in other states. But I got pushback, and he, you know, wanted to argue that that uh, they've already given us what we asked for. And I said, you've not given us anything substantial. Uh, you, he tells me they've given us 90% of what we asked for. I said, well, it's more like 15% maybe. But uh, anyway, it was not a good conversation. And, and uh, they were pushing this bill through the Senate committee. But fortunately, uh, well, I shouldn't say that because there were, there were other, I'll just say there was other legislation. This was what we call crossover week. And it, it had the public's attention. And they debated another bill for over five hours in the Senate. So it, when when everything was said and done, the um, Senate Commerce Committee decided not to meet. So the bill was not heard anyway. So we we gained a little reprieve. It goes to next week, and uh, I that's why I'm trying to get the word out to the people. And and I don't, nobody's really paying attention to this. You wouldn't have any reason to pay attention to it. Uh, but it is very important to the almost 5 million people in North Carolina that are that have Blue Cross uh, health insurance or some type of policy with Blue Cross. So there's another element here, too, isn't there, um, in that since Blue Cross is a nonprofit, um, or they claim to be, um, if they amass a certain amount of reserves or, or wealth or, or premium excess, um, this, there's a state statute on the books, isn't there, that right. says they have to, that, to fund some of the premiums to their policyholders, and they're bumping up against that, that refund threshold, aren't they? Well, that's right. As I said earlier, Blue Cross is rolling in the, the money, and and I, I have to remind them, I shouldn't have to remind them, but I do. I say these dollars that you have, that you want to invest, these are policyholder dollars. There are people that are struggling to make ends meet, sending their uh, premium dollars in. And, and they're saying, well, we're, gonna, we're paying million dollar bonuses. I said, there's a real disconnect with the people of North Carolina and how Blue Cross is handling their money. So, if this were stockholder money, investor money, what have you, I wouldn't be saying a word, but this is policyholder money that belong to my, in my opinion, belongs to the people of North Carolina. And I've told Blue Cross over and over again, if you got so much money that, that you need to do something else with it, why not give it back to the policyholder? That would be a pretty good start. People would like that, lower their premiums, uh, give them a rebate, do something to, you know, to help them out. Uh, pay pay other claims. Uh, there's just all kinds of issues, but you're right. They have accumulated uh, knocking on the door of five billion. That's billion with a B. It's, it's actually four point six billion dollars is currently sitting in policy reserves 
and Blue Cross, and there is a general statute, a law in North Carolina that says once they hit that certain limit, uh, which is six months uh, uh, operating uh, expenses, Mike Causey, as commissioner of insurance, can order Blue Cross to return some of that money back to the policyholders, that, and they don't want that. And the other thing, if it hits a certain uh, limit, it triggers those conversion statutes that were set up in 1998 by the General, General Assembly, and they don't want to trigger the conversion statutes because that means they'd have to give a bunch of money uh, to a foundation. So by getting this bill passed, they can take this money, they can take a billion dollars next week and move it out of Blue Cross, the insurance company, to the holding company, the parent company, without oversight, without regulation, with, without any transparency. And that's what's wrong with this bill as, as, as a starter. You know, I interviewed Chris Deacon on a previous episode of Healthcare Solutions. And one of the things we talked about, Chris, was the premium holiday that you gave uh, certain uh, members of the New Jersey State Health Plan. So, hey, wouldn't it be nice if Blue Cross would take a page out of the Chris Deacon playbook, right? Mm -hmm. And give their policyholders a little break on their premiums. Absolutely. And I think you know, what a missed opportunity, not just a missed opportunity, but really a travesty if under the dark of night, and, and at least now there's some sunlight being shine, shined on this, but if this were permitted to happen, you know, to the commissioner's point, if tomorrow a billion dollars can then be invested in for-profit, let's say digital health companies, right, or whatever the thing is, um, we know what that looks like. And it looks like Anthem, now Elevance, right? Who are beginning to own every, you know, every entity along the vertically integrated healthcare dollar line, right? That means, I mean, North Carolina has the first Carillon um, clinic, right? So now we have insurance companies getting into the business of being the provider of care. We have insurance companies getting into the business of being the providers of pharmaceuticals through PBMs. Um, and I think that's a really scary, you know, forward state that we lose absolute control and transparency into how, uh, you know, to the commissioner's point, how members, premium dollars, and your small businesses, and your employers, and your state employers. Another point is, you know, you hear these um, sound bites about, um, you know, and this is not unique to North Carolina, but certainly it's happening in North Carolina especially when they lost the state health plan benefit business, you know, the 700,000 plus lives, you know, the cry was, we have been partners with the states where we're part of the community, we're part of the fabric of this state. And yet, right, and yet they don't want to be in a position where somebody's looking under their hood. They want to be seen as a partner and as a part of the state and the fabric of the state when it suits them. Um, but when it comes time to actually looking under the hood and, and being regulated as such, uh, they, they clearly want to evade that responsibility. Well, what I, what I told a, a group of legislators the other day, if, um, if they're going to pay more than $6 million to their CEO, and, and million dollar 
salaries and million-dollar bonuses to the executive team when we are looking that people can see now what in the world would they do if nobody could see what they were doing. So, uh, you know, and we don't want to – I mean, this is – Small money compared to what United Healthcare and some of those other big health companies pay their CEOs. And uh, you know, I was talking to, to somebody today. They said, "You think the healthcare executives get paid a lot? You ought to look at the utility companies and uh, in in the how they will fire somebody and give them thirty or forty million dollars to go home and then tell the uh, customers that they need to raise the." rates to cover their expenses. I mean, just all sorts of things like that happening across the country. But Blue Cross makes it sound really good. They want to do all these things to help the people of North Carolina. Uh, they started a group in North, in North Carolina and Clayton called Fast Med. They invested in that. Fast Med's been a blessing to a lot of areas. And everybody's for that. But what I told Blue Cross if this is what you want to do and it's so good, what's wrong with putting it in writing, put it in the statute, so whoever's in charge 10 or 15 years from now, there will be no doubt, it'll be crystal clear, this is what we have to do. And they don't want to do that for whatever reason. So here we are. And I'm hopeful that we can. We're still talking, I think. Uh, they. I've been on the... Uh, media circuit, so they may not want to talk to me after this week, but, but I'm still willing to talk with them. You know, it seems like having your cake and, and eating it too, and being able to share the icing with all your friends, right? But if, if they want to be a for-profit corporate insurance company and pay taxes as such, then fine. That you know, that reorganization um, might have merit. At least you'll be uh, paying taxes on your profits as opposed to just being able to cover them up and still not be taxed as a corporate entity. Well, now they, yeah, to be fair, they are being taxed now. I mean, for decades, they weren't taxed at all. They didn't have to pay the premium tax that other insurance companies had to pay. Now, now they do... Uh, pay those taxes, but they still have advantages by being considered a nonprofit. Chris, I've been domineering the conversation. Uh, let me hand it over to you for a while. You've got so much knowledge and it needs to come out. Now, I would, I would um, point out to some examples, uh, you know, just in New Jersey, weeks after the conversion was approved, more or less rubber stamped, let's be honest. Um, and that's really what's being challenged in the lawsuit. One of the first spinoffs that the, um, uh, the organization uh, engaged in was its behavioral health services platform, right? So for years, the members of the state health benefits program had, had challenge, challenges with um, the behavioral health services of Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield and the providers with which it was contracting and it really invested a ton of money, much of which came from the state and the state health benefits program, invested a ton of money and resources into reintegrating behavioral health services into Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield as sort of a, a complete whole person solution. And, you know, I thought, great, doing the right thing. They were, they were really 
trying to, I think, come up with a great product for our members. And we were certainly paying for it. Again, somebody was investing that money. But what was the first thing that they did when they were able to? They spun it off for a profit. Nova Well Health, look it up. And the entire team uh, that was the behavioral health team from Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield, they're now Nova Well employees. And I'm sure that that product and offering might even be for sale in uh, North Carolina, certainly as a New Jersey. So if you ever hear, and I'm sure I hope, yeah, I'm sure your listeners have heard, it's just a it's a corporate form change. It's you know it's pro forma. There's really nothing here other than our ability to be more dynamic and more nimble and a fast moving market. That is not can't that it, candidly that is just being disingenuous. This is an absolutely meaningful change that will change your market and that will change the way that they do business and the entities that they're able to spin off. And when you change that structure, you change your motives, you change your financial incentives, you change the alignment of those incentives, you change your regulatory oversight. um, And it's not for the better. And it's certainly not, you know, it might be for the better of their bottom line. And I'm sure the CFO would would say that, but it's not for the betterment of North Carolinians. Well, Chris, you are exactly right on target, well stated, and that's exactly what Blue Cross and their lobbying team have sold our legislature on. This is just a reorganization to give us more flexibility. It's going to be a wonderful thing for North Carolina. As I told the legislators in a committee one day, you've been told this thing is the best thing since sliced bread, but it's not. Anybody that you know that's in North Carolina that may have any interest in this, you know, send them to our website, uh, get them to contact their legislator, especially state senators in North Carolina, and, and voice their concerns and opinions, what whichever way that is. So, Chris... Mm-hmm. One of the things that occurs to me, first of all, we know that you're, you're something of an expert on the Consolidated Appropriations Act and how it interacts with the ERISA fiduciary duty. As a matter of fact, I thought the co- the podcast that you did with Stacey Richter um, late last year was just really excellent. I, I probably listened to that podcast 20 times. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> it was a great one. So I'll I'll ask this question this way. Considering the fiduciary duty and the requirements of the Consolidated Appropriations Act, if North Carolina passes H346 and is allowed to hide its assets and raise rates where that none of that can be tracked, how does that affect employers who hmm. choose Blue Cross as their you know, as their insurer, that yeah. that seems really sticky to me. I think the the primary way in which this will impact those employers that are subject to the the Consolidated Appropriations Act and and have always been subject to their fiduciary obligations, but it's going to be a lot more difficult to unpack um, the conflicts that exist within um, you know sort of the fees and the claims that you're incurring. And I'll give you an example. Um, actually, we can use uh, Caroline, right, in North Carolina. If I'm an employer, I'm a self-funded employer, I have an ERISA-sponsored plan, um, and uh, Anthem, Blue Cross Blue Shield, 
Or perhaps North Carolina Blue Cross Blue Shield is my carrier, my TPA. Um, and I uh, have members that go to the Carillon Clinic in North Carolina. I would argue that I would have a fiduciary obligation not only to see, um, you know, to know whether the claims being paid at that facility are reasonable, but to ensure that there's no conflict of interest between uh, the payer and the person negotiating the rates and the entity with which they're negotiating the rates. And so right now, Anthem um, Elevance is the owner of the Carillon Clinic, but they're certainly related through their association as Blue Cross Blue Shield licensee entities. Um, and we don't know what happens behind the scenes financially, if there's an incentive or, or not uh, to get, you know, blues to, to use that facility. Um, but these are the types of things that get really messy, right? If there are digital health therapeutics that Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina spins off and those therapeutics are gold carded or prescribed at higher rates um, by owned physicians. There's this, it just presents itself for a ton of conflicts. And as a fiduciary, it's your responsibility and it's your legal obligation to ferret out those conflicts. And this just got a lot harder, I think. I think it's, it's hard today, but it gets a lot harder when you lose the visibility and the transparency into your carrier um, like you have now. It's like this bill gives Blue Cross the license to steal and no one is going to ever be able to uncover how they stole it. It certainly puts several more layers on top of, uh, you know, a fiduciary's ability to really unpack their claims and understand exactly what's going into the fees that they're paying and the claims that they're paying. It also reminds me of another one of the BUCAs. So if anyone's listening to this and they don't know the term BUCA, that's B-U-C-A. It stands for Blue Cross United Cigna Aetna. But Aetna was in the news um, maybe a year or two ago for using something that was called dummy codes, mm-hmm. right? So they they just created um, funny, untrackable uh, codes, diagnosis and procedure codes. Well, maybe not a diagnosis code, but definitely a, a code that was a payable claim in a self-funded health plan. Mm-hmm. And it took people almost like forensic accountants to figure out what had been happening because those self-funded employers that were using Aetna as their TPA, um, all of a sudden reserves that, you know, claims that hadn't needed funding or, 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 or excuse me, these, these dummy codes show up as claims, but no one really knows what that's for. They just know that a claim was paid. And so it took people a long time to figure it out. I know um, uh, I've already spoken up uh, one podcaster's name. There's another podcast that I really like called An Arm and a Leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of my favorite podcasts. And um, the host there did a whole episode on Aetna and their dummy codes. It seems like this bill makes this dummy coding process a lot easier and, and employers just aren't going to know which way to turn to, to honor and perform their fiduciary duty as they are required to do. 
And I would, you know, even if we were to, you know, the dummy codes that's particularly egregious. Um, there was a recent case with Cigna um, with an individual. It actually settled, unfortunately, so we don't have any case law out of it, but an individual brought a breach of fiduciary duty case against Cigna because there was a cash rate for a lab. The facts, generally speaking, cash rate for a lab service was around $500. Cigna's negotiated rate um, was off of charge master of 17000 and it brought it down to somewhere in the negotiated range of, you know, in the several thousands, which when it processed as a Cigna claim, the member ended up playing substantially more than it would have at a cash rate. Not only is, was it that, pro- that problematic, but it then came to light that part of the ownership structure of the lab, Cigna was getting some of that money that was, you know, uh, that higher rate. Um, but, you know, these are, these are things that absolutely are very difficult to track now in today's day and age, or, you know, even with the structure we have, but will get worse. But I go back to my example with the standalone clinic or with the provider office that's owned by the carrier, which today is, is uh, it's happening. United Healthcare is one of the largest employers or the largest employer of physicians. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants to get into that space. CVS Aetna is moving hard and quick. So, so are the blues. So even without hiding the dummy code, right, if that physician owned by Blue Cross Blue Shield submits a claim or is negotiating a provider contract with the carrier and the carrier owns the provider, where is the incentive to make that a fair rate, right? Where's the incentive? It's not there. The incentive is for the rate to be higher and to allow that rate. And so, you know, we sort of have a race to the top and who's left paying the bill the member, the employers, and, you know, the, in this case, p- people from North Carolina, and that's all above board, meaning there's no, right now, there's no regulation or regulatory body that says that can't happen. And so the more that we allow, I think, the more that we allow these entities to, you know, consolidate, vertically integrate, and, and make no mistake about it, that is what this is. This is their attempt to get into the, you know, the market beyond just providing insurance and being a TPA. They want their tentacles in the digital health space and the pharmaceutical space, the digital therapeutic space, and in the provider space. That's what this is allowing them to do. And the more that happens, uh, the more uh, conflicted um, all of those entities are going to be. It's almost more sometimes than I can wrap my head around. And so that makes me feel very bad for employers that are just trying to do business every day and make a profit and employ good people. How are they ever going to wrap their minds around it and do what they're being required to do? My heart goes out to them. And I hope that people really take this conversation and pick up the phone and call their state senator in North Carolina. So if you are listening to this podcast and you are a state senator (laughs) in the North Carolina General Assembly, I would implore you to slow this bill down and just dig a little bit under the surface to realize this is much more complicated than you realize. 
And if you are not yet a state senator, you're just a simple citizen um, electing these senators, please pick up the phone and call them and ask them to do the very same thing I just said. Just press the pause button, slow down just a little. If you're being asked to make this hasty, there's probably a reason for it. Uh, and just dig a little bit below the surface. I think what you will find is that when there's no transparency and there's no ability to track a nonprofit, what is supposed to be a nonprofit insurer in our state, there are inherent problems in that and you shouldn't be voting for it. And, and by the way, I do really appreciate some of the writing that I've been reading lately from uh, the North Carolina Health News and, and uh, uh, a journalist named Rose Hoban. She's doing some excellent work exposing the truth. So if you haven't read her articles, please seek them out. So in your, your sort of talk there about employers and what they're left with, um, it is difficult, but there are solutions and they don't always have a cross and a shield on them. Um, nor do they always have a, you know, any of the quote unquote buca insignias. Um, employers have a lot of power here to begin to solve for these issues. And, you know, I was reading um, some uh, earnings reports from one of the biggest, or the biggest blue plan uh, the other day, and they have record retention rates and, uh, you know, their membership is just going up. And yet I hear every day from employers that they want another solution. Solutions exist, they require um, difficult conversations and they require change management um, from brave employers. And um, if, if uh, Commissioner Cossey was still on, I was going to give him one of my favorite quotes, uh, which is when the flack, uh, the flack only gets heavy when you're over the target. So keep, keep flying. Um, the people of North Carolina owe you a, a debt of gratitude and hope that um, you know, they listen. Hey, I'm going to jump in with one of my favorite quotes too, which, which is a, a little bit of a spinoff of what you just said. Um, Buckminster Fuller uh, was an economist and an inventor and just a really brilliant guy way back in the earliest days of the 20th century, I think. One of his famous quotes was, never fight the existing reality, just create something new that makes the status quo obsolete. And I think that's exactly what you were just saying, that every health plan doesn't need to have a blue cross and a blue shield on it. There are plenty of innovative health plans that are already filed, already um, have rates in the state of North Carolina. Uh, all you need, uh, here's another little quote of mine, all you need is a good advisor and a little courage. Um, so you mentioned you might have to have some difficult conversations, but one of the favorite um, case studies I love to tell people about, I, I love this case study so much because it has so many different meanings, but my buddy Carl Schusler works on a, a hospital health plan uh, down in Florida called DeSoto Memorial Hospital. Um, he implemented direct primary care. He implemented um, a prescription drug program, which makes most prescriptions that employees take nearly free. And the plan doesn't have a big insurer insignia on it. It's called the Fair Cost Health Plan. It's an off-label, almost like buying, you know, the generic brand uh, off the store shelf instead of the name brand. Kirkland. Right? 
Kirkland's brand. Yes, <laughs> <Great> exactly. value. <laughs> right. It's a curated uh, health plan design that has been studied and pieced together and then wrapped up with a pretty bow uh, so that em- employers can deploy it uh, as an alternative plan to a big, you know, buka plan. And the the the, the employees that remark about how much better this plan is than the prior plan they had that did have the Buka logo on it. I mean, some of those um, testimonials bring a tear to my eye. Patients' Rights Advocate filmed um, probably three or four videos of testimonials from DeSoto Memorial executives and um, employees. And so, hey, if you're inspired to go look at where those videos are housed, you know, go to Mitigate Partners YouTube channel or, um, you know, Google Patients Rights Advocate and you'll find there are plenty of solutions with insurance plans, health plan designs that are available in every 100 counties of, of the great state of North Carolina. There's no reason to believe that Blue Cross is your only choice. So it's a good a good place to um, uh, wrap up our discussion. And I'll just say thanks to both of you. And uh, we'll see you when the next issue arrives that we need to uh, (laughs) peel back the onions uh, or peel back the layers of the onions, shine some light on it. So thanks, Chris. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Christy. Thank you for listening to our important discussion. For more information about the work we do at Custom Benefit Solutions, visit our website at custombenefits.work.